Gospels this morning, we are going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31. I believe it's uh, page 600 in your pew Bible. Isaiah chapter 40, starting at verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by God. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray. Father, we need you this morning. We are weary, weary of work, weary of life, and we need your spirit to fill us. We need you to teach us this day that we might be restored and we might receive rest. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, perhaps you're looking forward to this Labor Day weekend. Perhaps you need this weekend. Perhaps you come here this morning uh, weary, exhausted from a busy week. Uh, perhaps you've been looking forward to this for a while now. Perhaps you're going to the beach or to the lake, and you need renewal. You need rest for your weary body. A lot of jobs wear us out. I don't know all of your jobs, but I want you to think back in your history. What jobs have you had that have worn you out? What jobs have you had that have overwhelmed you, have left you spent at the end of each long day? I've had a, a few in my life that, that left me weary. When I was young, I had a paper route. I had a paper route that I would get up for every morning at 4.30 and deliver papers for two hours before school, the Washington Post. Uh, they seemed like they weighed about 20 pounds apiece, but I was weary afterwards. As I've grown older, I've worked construction a couple of different places, and I've worked on roofs a couple of times. Recently, uh, some of us were on a roof for a very long time, working with Compassion and Action, replacing a roof, tearing off the old and putting on the new. We got there, and it was just getting light, and when we left, it was just getting dark. Uh, dark. So 12 hours we were on that roof in the blazing heat, uh, taking off shingles and putting on new ones. Uh, I think I slept for a couple of days after that. I don't know what jobs you've had that have worn you out. I don't know what life has got you going through right now. I don't know what is in your life that is wearing you out, that you need rest from, that you need renewal from. But our passage this morning is, is written by Isaiah to a people who were desperate for the Lord's attention. They were desperate for renewal. They were desperate for rest. They were desperate for a God who is powerful and loving uh, to give them those things. This morning I want to look at, uh, as we march towards renewal and rest, I want to look at three things. I want to look at man's problem. I want to look at God's power, and I want to look at the Lord's provision. Look with me back to uh, our text at verse 27 as we begin to highlight what problems do we have, but we look at it through the lens of what problems did the Israelites have. Why? Do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Israel 
was in a, a time of captivity. They had been taken away from their homeland. They were uh, taken away to Babylon. They were, in essence, being disciplined for having walked away from the Lord, having turned their backs on Him, and they were being disciplined by a loving Father to draw them back. And yet they were desperate. They felt like the Lord had left them. They felt like no one was listening. They felt like there was no hope. They were a people in need of renewal. They were a people in, in need of, of rest. And so it opens before us not just Israel's problem, but man's problem and problems. The first being a spiritual one. We are so much like the Israelites, are we not? We turn away from the Lord daily to false idols, to things that we think will provide that, that sense of contentment, that sense of peace and joy. We turn to things every day that we think will give us that sense of renewal and rest that we so desperately long for. And we, like the children of Israel, forget. We forget God. We forget His greatness. We forget His love for us. But you see here in verse 27, uh, uh, Isaiah calls the children of Israel two things. He says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? Now, if you're familiar with your Old Testament, with Genesis, those names may be connected in your mind, but to the Israelites, it would have been an immediate connection. They would have remembered their patriarch, Jacob. They would have remembered his character, that he was not the best of men. He was a schemer, a conniver. He was one who often turned away from the Lord, seeking his own way, seeking to, to manufacture his own path, his own way out. And so they knew their, their patriarch, Jacob. But they also knew their God that didn't leave Jacob there. The story is told in, in Genesis 32 where Jacob is alone. He's, he's fleeing in a sense for his life. He's about to be reunited with his brother Esau who he fears is going to kill him. And he's alone and he is uh, visited by uh, an angel, perhaps Jesus Christ himself. Um, and we see this, this time of wrestling. Jacob grabs hold of him. He pleads for God's blessing. He needs God's blessing. He needs God's forgiveness. And God graciously allows Jacob to wrestle with him, to get the upper hand. Finally, God places his hand on his hip and, and it goes out of socket. But before he leaves, Jacob cries out, bless me one more time. And God does. God renews him by giving him a new name, a new direction, a new emphasis. He changes his name from Jacob to Israel. So when Isaiah is writing to the children here, and he calls them Jacob, and he calls them Israel, it would have connected in their mind. It would have reminded them of their faithful God. It would remind them of Jacob and his unfaithfulness, his conniving and his scheming, but it would remind them of a great God that they serve, who pursued Jacob. God went to that camp, pursuing Jacob to show love to him. So Jacob is renewed. He's, he's made new. He's given a new name, but he's also given rest. Later in that story, we're, we're reminded that when Jacob and Esau come together, that there wasn't bloodshed, there was fellowship and reunion. So Jacob finds not only renewal, but he finds rest. Rest from his fears, rest from war, warring with his brother. Renewal and rest is what Jacob needed. It's what the children of Israel needed. And that's why Isaiah writes to them, reminding them of of this episode. Verse 27 asks a question, a very simple question. It begins, why? Why, O Israel? Why, O Jacob? Why 
are you fretting? Why are you worrying? Do you not remember your God? Do you not remember his goodness to your forefathers? Do you not remember his love that he showed to him and that he's going to show to you? So Isaiah is calling to remember, but he's questioning them. He's questioning why are they so short-sighted? Why is their memory so short? And it's the question to us this morning. Perhaps you've experienced God's love in a fresh way this week. Perhaps you've seen something wondrous in his word and the Holy Spirit's pressed it on your heart. Maybe he's worked a miracle in your life. Maybe you've, you've found healing. Maybe you've found comfort. Maybe you've been able to love someone who's difficult. And all of those things are from the Lord. And yet this morning, when you woke up, you were fearful and you doubted and you worried. Why, O Jacob? Why, O Israel? Why can we not remember God's faithfulness in the past and hold on to it? And allow it to move us through whatever difficulty we're facing this morning. And the answer is because we are like Jacob, we are like the Israelites, we have problems. We are a people of short memories. So Jacob and the Israelites had a spiritual problem. And they, they could not remember, but they also, uh, the Israelites had a physical problem. They were in bondage. They were in bondage. Look at verse 29 and 30. Because of this bondage, Isaiah reminds them, He, God, gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. There's a physical problem that we have, don't we? We're human beings. We're, uh, we're weak. We faint. And this life that we live is difficult the jobs we have are difficult. The, the family situations and the struggle, and it wears on us. It doesn't just wear on us emotionally or spiritually, but physically. We're worn down. What sustains you through difficult times? Maybe it is the hope of a weekend like this where you can just get away, right? You can just get away and recharge your batteries. But what happens on Tuesday when you come back and the problems are still, still there? What sustains you? Is it... Is it the next football game or, or next year's beach vacation, the next novel, the next blockbuster, that next relationship. We all run to things like the Israelites did, but the Lord is calling us back this morning through Isaiah. He's calling us back, reminding us that those things will not last. They will not sustain us. They will not bring the renewal and the rest that we need. Not only do we have not only did they have a spiritual problem and a physical problem, we all have an eternal problem, as did they. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Our problem is predominantly a, a, an eternal problem, isn't it? That in our own efforts, apart from Christ, we strive and we labor, and we fight, and we try. We try and be good enough. We try and measure up. We try and be righteous, and yet God says it's as filthy rags to him. We can't measure up. We have an eternal problem. We need reconciliation with God the Father. And so, who is this sermon for? It's for all of us. For those who haven't placed faith and trust in Christ, this sermon this morning is for you, that you would stop striving. That you would stop trying, you would stop laboring, stop working to be good enough. That you would recognize that God demands perfection, that you and I can't measure up. But through Jesus Christ, who lived the perfect life, 
who labored and strove and did everything perfectly, died on the cross to pay for our sins, making it possible for us to have a right relationship with him. That we don't have to labor and strive anymore, that Christ did the work in his life and on the cross. And you can rest. You can rest. Scripture says, knock and the door shall be opened to you. Are you knocking this morning? Are you knocking this morning in faith before Jesus Christ? For those who know Christ, perhaps you're still trying to find something that will give you that renewal, that rest, to get you through this problem, to get you through today. And Christ says the same, stop. Stop working. Stop laboring. Come to me and you will find rest. So we have problems. Man has problems. The Israelites had problems. And what they need to be reminded of And what we need to be reminded of is we have and we serve a God of power. Look at verse 28 and 29. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Five things that we see here in seeing God's power. First is the, that he's an everlasting, an eternal God. The first per, part of, uh, of verse 28, the Lord is the everlasting God. We get so nervous about details, don't we? We get so nervous about what's coming tomorrow, we can't see around the corner. We get wrapped up in it all, and it, and it, it churns our stomachs. We're reminded here, as the Israelites were being reminded, he's everlasting, he's eternal, he's outside of it all. He controls time. He works in it and through it, but it doesn't bind him or control him. He is eternal and everlasting. Second part of verse 28, he's the creator of the ends of the earth. I hit a milestone here uh, at this church, uh, I think this past summer. I think I finally figured out where all the doors in this church go to, which is a big deal because there's a lot of doors, a lot of keys. But isn't there something wonderful about, about the comfort of knowing a place? of knowing a church, of knowing a town. Of, I finally can hear people talk about this restaurant on Vineville or you know, this school or that school. I know where it is. Spending time here in this town with you and, and with students, finally I'm getting a feel on Macon and this church, and, and, and it's a wonderful feeling. Isn't it great to know that we serve a God who created everything? Every, every atom in this universe is known by him. Everywhere on this planet, everywhere in this galaxy, everywhere in this universe is is known by him, is owned by him. And so while we may be lost at times, we can know and trust that he's the creator of the ends of the earth. There's nothing outside of his control. We also see in verse 28 that, that he's always at work, that he never faints, he never grows weary. Look with me really briefly, if you would, at uh, 1 Kings 18. Keep your finger in Isaiah 40. Turn to 1 Kings 18. You may be familiar with the story of Elijah, who is having a contest, as it were, to the death with the Baal prophets to determine who is truly God. Is it the God of uh, is it Baal, who's a false god, an idol, or is it the god of the universe, Yahweh, the god who led his people out of Egypt? 
So there's this competition set up, and, and Elijah is saying to the Baal prophets, if your God is God, then he should respond. Set up an altar. Put a bull on it. Whichever God responds with fire is the one true God. So they do that, and they place the bull on the altar, and they begin to dance around, seeking for Baal to answer them. They're there for hours. They whip themselves into a frenzy, and they're getting exhausted. They begin to cut themselves, hoping to evoke some kind of response, but there's no answer. At the end, Elijah comes and says, it's my turn. Now, take those jars full of water and begin to pour them on the altar. Not just once, not just twice, but multiple times. Soak it. And he cries out to God. He says, God, please show them that you are the one true God. And fire comes from heaven. And not only consumes the bull, but it consumes the water. It consumes the stones, showing that he truly is a great God. And I love verse 27 in the midst of Elijah trying to uh, mock and make fun of the Baal prophets. Um, he, he says this, And at noon Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he's a god. Either he's musing, thinking, or he's relieving himself, or he's on a journey. Perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. He mocks them, knowing that their god is a false god. Our god doesn't slumber. Our god doesn't sleep. He never expenses all of his power. He never expends his energy. When he created the universe, there was no limit to his power. He's always at work, and this is the God that we can turn to. This is the God of Elijah. This is the God of the Israelites. This is our God. Last part of verse 28 says that his understanding is unsearchable. Every situation that you're in, there are thousands of things going on. Every moment of your life, there are millions of details that are happening, coming together, and he's sovereign over them all. And he weaves them together, and he works them for our good and for his glory. He's all wise. Lastly, we see in verse 29 that not only is he a powerful God, but he gives power. I don't know if you've ever worked with a child to show them how to do something, but you don't just give them an instruction booklet to a small child. You, you, you take their hand in yours, and maybe it's a screwdriver you're trying to teach them how to use. You, you, you wrap your hand around theirs, around the screwdriver, and you, you turn the screwdriver with them. You're giving them power. You're giving them the ability to do this, and you're lovingly showing them how to do that. God gives power to those who are faint and increases their strength. The story of Elisha is a, is a wonderful one because it's our story too because even after this momentous event, this miraculous event, this event that was, should have been life-changing, faith-changing for Elijah, he still is fearful. We see that after this, Jezebel, uh, Ahab's wife, begins to threaten his life, begins to uh, seek to kill Elijah, and Elijah is fearful. And he runs, and he runs, and we see... In uh, verses 5 through 8 in 2 Kings 19, uh, that the Lord tenderly ministers to him. He doesn't condemn him, but he tenderly ministers to him because Elijah has that problem. He's, he's weary. He's spent spiritually and physically. And we see this wonderful story that an angel came to minister to him, and Elijah slept. And then when he arose, there was food, and he ate, and then he slept again, and then there was food again. And then the Lord... Uh, propelled him forward. 
Christ, when tempted by Satan in the wilderness, was ministered to by angels afterwards. Uh, Certainly ministered to spiritually, but more than likely physically as well. His need at that moment, after 40 days of fasting, would have been food. And so the angels ministered to him. I don't know when last you were at a point of physical exhaustion. Maybe it has been connected to spiritual exhaustion, emotional exhaustion. Maybe it's been a job. Years ago, when I first started doing ministry, I would take kids uh, to the mountains and we'd go hiking. And one day we decided to just sort of point and go. Always a mistake. Um, It looks close, so it must be, right? So we pointed to something far off and we said, we'll just go. We returned 12 hours later, some of us crawling on our knees after crawling through bushes and, 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 uh, and thorns and thistles. Um, each year I've tried to do that same hike, and it seems to get longer. It seems to get harder. The, the recovery time is longer. We need physical rest. Elijah needed physical rest. The Israelites needed uh, physical rest. Uh, Release. They needed to be released from their bondage. They needed renewal, and they needed rest. God provides that. He promises that. We see that in verses 30 and 31, that yes, man has problems, but God is powerful. And now we see the Lord's provision. We see his renewal. I'm jumping you around a good bit, but look back over at Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, 30, and 31 says, Even youths faint and are been beweary, a young man shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. The Lord promises renewal. He promises rest. This is a, a wonderful picture that we see here um, of eagles soaring and flying first service, I was trying to recount a story of seeing, I think I used the word eagles in my backyard flying and floating. Uh, I, I probably meant to say hawks, but John Kinzer uh, let me know lovingly that there weren't eagles above me, that it was probably, what did you say, John? Buzzards? Yeah, black vultures, which just doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? Um, but I was in my backyard and I saw these, these birds flying and soaring, and it was, it was majestic. It was amazing to watch them catching the air currents, flapping their wings every now and then, and gliding in these wonderful circles. This is the promise that we see here, that God promises to lift us up, to carry us forward, to give us strength when we have no strength. So the question comes, are we soaring on the currents that the Lord provides? The Lord provides us with with renewal and with rest. He provides us with with these things, are we, are we taking advantage of them? Are we taking full advantage of, the what, of what God has provided? We're promised troubles in this life, 2 Corinthians 4. While we are troubled on every side, we are not overwhelmed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We suffer persecution, we are not forsaken. We are cast down, but are not destroyed. God promises here to us... And through Isaiah, he promises the children of Israel, he promises them rest and renewal. For them, one day, it would come through deliverance, through Messiah. What about for us today? Are we taking advantage of the means that God is giving us to soar, to rest, to be renewed, 
Are we taking advantage daily of the time that we can spend in God's Word to be, to be fed and nourished? Christ, it says in Mark 1, that He would leave early in the morning, go to a place, and, and spend time with His Father. Are we doing that? Are we taking advantage of the means by which God provides renewal and rest? Monthly, yearly, each month our, our church has a prayer gathering. Are we taking advantage of the time to gather corporately, to lift up one another's burdens, to, to go before the Lord, the Lord's Supper? Do we prepare our hearts to come to the table, which is a means of feeding, a means of renewal? Families, are we gathering each week, perhaps daily, to spend time in God's Word? God has provided means by which we can be renewed and find rest. This morning we gather for one of those, this weekly gathering, this Sabbath rest. Are we taking seriously God's Sabbath rest? Do we take seriously the gathering of believers weekly for the purpose of fellowship, for the purpose of worship, for the purpose of being renewed? Because we come here and there's a promise on the Sabbath of a physical rest. We're told to, to cease our labors. We're told to not do the normal things that we might do in the other six days, to stop from our work, to stop from our studies, to take a day for our bodies to rest. But we rest physically primarily through being renewed spiritually. We come into his presence and we're renewed through worship. We're renewed through worship. So we need, through the Sabbath rest, we need physical rest, we need spiritual rest, but there's an eternal rest that we're given as well. Christ is our Sabbath rest. We find Sabbath rest through Christ because we've ceased our, our, our striving to be good enough. Recognize we can't be, but Christ was. He was the perfect sacrifice. We find Sabbath rest in Christ Jesus because he paid the price. He lived the life we could not live. We find Sabbath rest in Christ. And this day that God set aside is to remind us of Christ. To remind us of that Sabbath rest. And it's to point us forward to ultimately that day in the future when Christ will return. We will be called home and we will find eternal Sabbath rest. So we see that man has problems. He has physical and spiritual and primarily eternal problems. But we see that we have a God who is powerful. Who loves us. But we also see a God who provides renewal and rest. Will we take advantage this day, this Sabbath day, to be renewed and to rest? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're terrible at resting. We're terrible at resting. We're so busy. We're so anxious. We're so controlling at times. We need to be reminded that through Christ, we can rest. There's physical rest and there's spiritual rest. And there's eternal rest. Lord, impress that upon our hearts today. Let us take full advantage of these means by which you've given us to be renewed and to rest. And it's the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.